Joe had two podcasts to be on yesterday. I had a YouTube show to do today. I have this podcast that I'm on right now, and I have another one at 9.30, so we're not bragging rights. There's actually certain days I do, like, five or six shows a day. I just record them straight throughout the day, okay? Sam's giving me dirty looks. We all have our glasses on, but hey, listen up, guys. What's up? Welcome into the Fireside Bears podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears. You can follow me on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Usaid Kosho. Follow Sam on Twitter at Shy Sports Sam. Follow Joseph Herf on Twitter at Joseph Herf NFL. The Bears season's here. We're ready to get started. Hey, listen, the Bears are back and everyone's back in school too. Go back to school in style. Show off your um, awesome swag that you may have. Go to our sponsor, Audacity Sports. Check them out. Get your cool Justin Fields sticker and say that you got them for whenever that move is going to be made at halftime of week one because it's probably what's going to happen. But Sam and Joe, how are you guys doing today? Week one's here and we're ready to get started with this whole thing. I'm excited. I mean... I'm sad because I have to work Sunday, but I'm off in time for the Bears game. So, like, that's a positive. I'm sad because I'm not going to be able to watch the morning slant of games, but I get off, I think, literally as the game is starting. So, I'm going to miss, like, 10 minutes of the first quarter. So, I can't really be that upset about that. Um, I'm glad the Bears are playing on Sunday night. Um, But in terms of just NFL football being back, like, I'm excited for Thursday. I think that's going to be a good game. Uh feels nice to have like football back and obviously college football has been back for like a week, two weeks, but I'm excited for NFL football. I get way more excited for NFL football than college football. I'm sorry. I love NFL football so much. Absolutely with you. I, I love watching NFL football so much more. Like I don't really have a, a college team that I follow. I follow Illinois state and their FCS. So not really a big topic there. And I kind of follow Notre Dame because my dad. So NFL is my main with fantasy football being a huge part of my life as I'm in uh, over 10 leagues and just with the Bears in general. So absolutely just love NFL. I'm so excited to be back. And um, I'm uh, supposed to have a soccer game on Sunday, and I might just miss it so I don't miss any games. I'm debating on, depends what time our games that I guess, but I, I got to watch NFL. I've missed it so much. And like you are saying, Thursday night is going to be fun with all uh, the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And then it'll be really nice to see the whole slate of games that are going to be happening and the Bears uh, close it out on Sunday night and then Monday night football. You guys have a weird fantasy role where you have to draft the Bears player, or is that just me? No, I don't. I, oh, I, I try to avoid I, them actually this year because Matt Nagy sucks. So I, I literally every year, even if it's just on the bench, like I literally will draft one Bears player. Even if it's just I think I had I didn't draft him, but I think I had Santos in one league and I almost took him this year. And like even if it's just the Bears defense, I always take a Bears player. Like I took Allen Robinson this year because I had a I had uh I was coming back around in like the fourth round and he was still there. Cause I had one of the later picks in the fourth round in the league. And I was like, I'm obviously taking Allen Robinson if he's still there. Um, but I like have a weird rule where like, even if it's like a guy on the bench, like Mooney or something like that, I always have a bears player on my fantasy roster every year. Yeah, it's a terrible, it's it's a terrible mindset. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a terrible mindset. I mean, I'm in like five or six leagues myself this year. So I have Kyle Pitts and Justin Fields in one league. Not that Pitts is on the bears, but I mean, he's, Still one Not of the yet. top tight yeah, he's still one of the top tight ends in the NFL regardless, because he's just that good. I mean, we've never seen a tight end drafted fourth overall, at least in my years of covering the NFL and all the times I've been watching football. So Kyle Pitts is really damn good. But yeah, you know, the Bears are so hit or miss, Sam, and I'm glad you brought this up because they're so hit or miss with fantasy. Because I think what tends to happen is that you have guys like David Montgomery, you know, who 
were really solid fantasy wise last year in PPR, but they lost out on a lot of production just because the pieces around them absolutely freaking sucked. I mean, the offensive line for the bears last year was so hit or miss. I get David Montgomery was one of the more consistent running backs each week, but unfortunately I mean, he lost out on a lot of production and his ranking is way lower compared to where it needs to be. And then it's just like, okay, well, Allen Robinson's always going to be the Bears' best option for fantasy. Then you go down the list and it's like people outside the Bears fan base really don't know the name Darnell Mooney. So if you can get Darnell Mooney in your leagues because you're drafting on like Wednesday, anytime Wednesday before the season begins, then you know what? Go ahead and grab Darnell Mooney because he's a guy that seemingly just sticks around the whatever. Seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth round. And then, you know, I wouldn't really wouldn't bank too much on the Bears defense this year. I think that if they show from the start and throughout the season, hey, we're a pretty good defense, then it's one of those where it's just like you pick them up. And then Cairo Santos, you know, is a legit option at the kicker position. But yeah, fantasy every year for the Bears is interesting, but they don't necessarily have a lot of options, I want to say, outside of like Robinson, Mooney as well as Montgomery. But speaking of fantasy and those guys, let's just get right into it, guys, because we know week one's here. We just recorded our season preview with NBC Sports Chicago's very own Kenneth Davis. He hosts NBC Sports Under Center podcast, which basically covers the Bears with former players like Alex Brown. That's going to be on our YouTube channel on Wednesday evening. Go check that whole thing out because it was a great conversation. But, Joe, let's bounce it right over to you. I mean, look, Sean McVay's talking about how I'm going to prepare to see Justin Fields. We'd be stupid to not prepare for Justin Fields in some way, shape, or form. What does that comment from an opposing head coach tell you, especially knowing that Matt Nagy's pretty much decided, well, screw everything. I'm sticking to Andy Dalton, and Justin's going to take a backseat for now. So I think what's honestly going to happen is the Rams are going to be absolutely owning us to start the game. And Dalton's not going to be doing well because he's going to be playing catch up and trying to be hero. And what's going to end up happening is they're going to end up seeing fields at the end of the game. And perhaps that could be middle of third quarter. could be right after halftime. I just don't see a scenario where the bears have a shot of winning this in terms of stopping their offense and in terms of scoring points with Dalton at the quarterback position. So I think he's preparing for fields at the very end of the game when the bears kind of try and get him some garbage time experience and let him kind of roll into the offense, just creating more quarterback controversy for the week uh, against the Bengals. Yo, Stevenson, you're muted. Oh, I told myself to unmute. Whatever. Anyway, uh, for me, I think this is coach speech. Uh, I am of the opinion that I don't think Dalton's going to get pulled from the game week one. I think he's got a two-game leash. I think... Sean McVay would be a dumb man if he didn't prepare for Justin Fields. I think that him saying this is going to cause some upstairs, like, oh, like maybe the Bears are going to use Fields. I just don't think it's going to happen unless Dalton gets hurt, which I don't think, you know, knock on wood, I'd never wish for injury, but I don't think Dalton's going to come out of the game week one. Again, I think he's got that two, three game leash. I think Sean McVay is just a very smart NFL coach. He understands that you have to prepare for any situation. And I think if he didn't prepare for Justin Fields, I think he'd be an idiot if you want my blunt answer there. Um, but uh, I do think that the fact that he even mentions him uh, shows that clearly coaches are taking note of Fields, which is a good thing um, in terms of, you know, the potential for Justin. You know, I think it would be disappointing if Sean McVay didn't prepare for a guy like Justin Fields. I, I think if you have a rookie quarterback in your roster, you should be preparing for him. And even if he's the backup, like I think, 
I don't know who San Francisco is playing week one, but they should be preparing for Trey Lance as well as Jimmy Garoppolo. I just think if you're an NFL coach, you should always be, you know, expecting the unexpected. Does this mean Fields is going to play week one? I don't think so. I have to disagree with you there, uh, Joe, but, you know, I've been wrong before and uh, you never know what's going to happen week one. So I, I think, though, in all honesty, I think this is coach talk. Yeah, for sure. And just to touch on that, you disagree with me. Like, I, I could definitely see him not playing either. I, I'm totally with you that every coach prepares for every scenario possible. Like, you have to check all your boxes in terms of who you can see in the game. Like, it would be silly if they didn't prepare to see even like Brashad Perryman or to see a, a little reverse play to the new uh, wide receiver we got in the Simba uh, Walker, I believe his name is, uh, the punt returner. It would just be silly not to prepare for anybody who can just do a big bang play like that. So Fields is that. Fields is the guy who can do anything, whether it's running his 4-4-40 or absolutely launching the ball downfield. So you prepare for any scenario possible in terms of, and like you're saying, an injury could easily happen the first play of the game. And then Fields plays the rest of the game. So you need to be prepared for any scenario that a uh, that a player like Justin Fields could get in. What's interesting is what a lot of people seemingly are alluding to is if you guys go back to that Saints game in 2020, which I know was one of like Nick Foles' first home starts. What had happened is this is that, and that's also the game that, by the way, went to overtime because Roquan Smith dropped like what would have been the game winning interception. But obviously, we don't blame the defense, we blame the offense because the offense for the Bears just absolutely stunk. But there was like the one or two plays in that game where Mitch Trubisky kind of came in and it was a design quarterback run. And you have to wonder I mean, this isn't me comparing Mitch Trubisky to Justin Fields by any means or vice versa, but ultimately, I mean, let's just call things how they are. Justin's a more dynamic runner and he's so much more electric than any time that Mitch Trubisky ever took off and scrambled. And so for Matt Nagy, you have to be wondering, hey, could we be playing games with opposing defenses here as well as the Rams kind of have these design quarterback runs for Justin? And if you guys remember back to the six touchdown game in 2018, which I know feels like forever ago because it was, but there was the one play where Mitch kind of had the shuffle pass to, I think it was Taylor Gabriel in the first half, but there were also two quarterbacks out on the field to kind of keep the defense guessing. Now I'm not saying we see that insane level of trickery again but then again it's Matt Nagy he's a guy who has clearly proven hey listen and shown by the way that if something's worked for me in the past or if I design a play and I think it works then I'm going to continue going with it no matter what the circumstances may be and so with Sean McVay doing this I mean flipped over to the other side here Sean's an incredibly talented coach he's whatever 32 33 years old he's he knows the game, I mean, inside out. He can literally remember plays that he called on a specific game from a specific week at a specific time with a specific formation from when he was with the Washington football team as the offensive coordinator. So Sean's just doing as much homework as he can because I think his coaching philosophy is always, hey, listen, no one's going to be more prepared than us. And quite frankly, I mean – Let's be real. These the Rams have not had a first round pick in forever, but all these coaches, you know, these guys, they do work. These front offices, they do work on every single prospect year in and year out. And I'm not saying the Rams did homework on a guy like Justin Fields, but I also think that considering they were in the market for a quarterback this year, 
because they just knew that Jared Goff kind of wasn't the long-term option. He wasn't going to work out. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rams did do some homework on field, some like preliminary work on this 2021 quarterback class before they struck the deal for Matt Stafford. I was going to let Joe go, but I'll go. Um, I mean, the only thing I was going to add is that I, I do definitely agree. Like, I'm sure that just like the Bears did preliminary work on fields, so did the Rams. The one thing I will add is, is there's been some articles that have been coming out that apparently the Niners are going to utilize both Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't love an idea of a two-quarterback system. I'll be completely honest. I think Trey Lance should be the starting quarterback for the Niners. I like Lance a lot. He was a guy I thought the Bears were going to get after because I thought Fields was going to go before him. Um, I just think that at the end of the day, like, yes, obviously prepare for the unexpected and understand that, you know, you never know if the Bears are going to use Fields in a few plays or not. Again, not comparing him to Mitch Trubisky in that Saints game. But again, I think this is just more like, he got asked about it and he wasn't going to say, well, Andy Dalton's the starting quarterback. Cause that's what Matt Nagy said. So we got to prepare for Andy Dalton. That, that that's my biggest takeaway from this. Again, Sean McVay is a hell of a coach and, and I would be very disappointed if he hadn't at least had some work done planning a little bit that, Hey, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And just like, again, to kind of touch on it, you, like you were saying, you always expect the unexpected. Like, like I said, Dalton could, could get her first play and you kind of need to just prepare for fields to come in at any time. Cause, and it is a possibility that Nagy has a really short leash on Dalton that we don't expect that Dalton could throw one pick and he's pulled immediately. Like we just, you have to prepare for anything. And like, and like uh, you said, I was saying McVay's an amazing coach. Like he, he got, got a lot of hate when his offense got figured out, but he adjusted and he figured out how to keep his offense moving despite uh, having Jared Goff at quarterback. And he kind of changed around the personnel groupings and moved to more of a 12 personnel set. So he's just that type of guy who will adjust to anything. And he always will be trying to change his offense slash defense, whatever side of the football needs work to just help his team the best. So he's got to obviously prepare for anything. And, and like, uh, like Sam was saying, the two quarterback thing, I mean, it would be kind of nice to see fields in a few plays, just like, I guess like Trubisky was, but I'd would rather protect him and not have what happened to Trubisky and have him possibly pick up an injury on one play. So it would just be nice to just roll out Dalton or just roll out Fields. Just one or the other. Don't be doing what the 49ers could possibly be doing with Lance and Garoppolo. I mean, it's certainly going to be an interesting point of conversation. I mean, look, change and adapting to situations is something that every NFL team needs to do. And the Bears right now are certainly in a situation where – there's been some changes in terms of salary cap space and roster management wise. I mean, we're going into 2021. You have much of this defense that's going into year four, year five playing together. Some guys like Akeem Hicks and Danny Trevathan are going into their sixth season. This isn't going to be necessarily a segment about the defense that we're going to do here, but the Bears did actually rework Jimmy Graham's contract today. And I believe that they created like right under $5 million in cap space. Now, the problem with such a move is this. So let me just read the terms of kind of what happened. I mean, the Bears went ahead. They converted $5.8 million of Jimmy Graham's salary into a signing bonus, which created $4.6 million in cap space. And they added four void years as well. Now, everyone looks at this and they're like, okay, well, what's going on here? The Bears should 
have cut Jimmy Graham. We shouldn't be sitting here on September 7th on a Tuesday night talking about Jimmy Graham still being on the Bears roster, especially with guys like Jesse James emerging as quickly as they did, as well as some lower end emerging and solid depth options and guys like a JP Holtz or a Jesper Horstead. But then you ultimately look at this, shut up, Joe, but that you ultimately look at this. I mean, the bears with this move are just continuing to push money well into the future. I mean, we look at this regime traditionally what's happened is every single year, Ryan Pace has kind of extended one guy before the regular season. I mean, in 2018, it was Eddie Goldman. 2019, Cody Whitehair got that distinction. 2020, there was no one because there wasn't enough money. This offseason, everyone for sure thought it was going to be an Allen Robinson or a guy like a Bilal Nichols or a James Daniels. But here we are a couple days from the season opener. That's not about to happen. I mean, this is just money right now that's kind of being played around with and moved around so that the Bears can have some additional breathing room for the salary cap. I have two points on this, and neither of them are positive. Uh, Number one, I don't understand why you would murder, and I say murder because that's the best way to put it, your 2022 draft capital with a move like this. Now, listen, I understand it's not like the Bears are going to suddenly have $1 million in draft capital next or sorry, salary cap next year. But winning in the NFL with a quarterback on a rookie contract is so hard. You look back at 2018, the Bears f- thought they had everything figured out and still didn't make it to the Super Bowl with that contract with Mitch's rookie contract. It is very like what Tom Brady did in New England was was an absolute anomaly. It is very, very hard to win a Super Bowl in the NFL. The reason why I'm bringing this up is, hypothetically, let's say the Bears have a mediocre season, but Fields is clearly the guy, right? You then look to 2022 to begin building the roster that you hope is going to get you a Super Bowl run at some point in the next years. Because again, you have a five-year window. Taking away money from that is so frustrating considering how many free agents the Bears also have next year. The Bears, I think, have... 32 to 34 players rostered next year on contract. That's not good. It's not. Um, and, and no disrespect to Jimmy Graham. I, I understand why the bears had to go and sign a guy like Jimmy Graham. They had to upgrade the tight end position. I, you know, I think Jimmy Graham's not in his prime, but was solid last year. Good red zone target. I, I get it. But if you're gonna move his salary around, why not just cut him at that point? You, you're hoping Cole Komet's going to take the next step. You found a guy in Jesse James who can probably play. You've seen development with a guy like Jesper Horstead. You have a guy like J.P. Holtz who you know can block, you know can kind of play the weird hybrid role of like a fullback and a tight end. There's a couple okay U tight ends available on the market. Guys like, I, I mean, none of these guys are necessarily better or worse than Jimmy Graham, but like, why not cut Jimmy Graham for a guy like Richard Rogers or even a Tyler Eifert who I know is hurt all the time, but isn't terrible. I just think it's a weird move when you already are trying to potentially retool this roster for 2022 and beyond. And that's what frustrates me. And I get it. We shouldn't worry about 2022, but 2021 is an evaluation year. That's, that has been my, my like emphasis in these past couple episodes. This is an evaluation year for guys like Justin Fields, for the offense, for the future of the coaching staff. Why, why kill the future with moves like this? 
there's so much dead cap that the Bears are going to have to deal with in 2022 and beyond for a 35-year-old tight end. He's 35. I get it. He had nine touchdowns last year. Thanks, Twitter. I saw all your notifications about that. He's 35, and he's getting paid $7 million plus bonuses and stuff, and you're moving all that money when if you had just cut him, you would have saved more money. If this was a move to save money, why not just release him? Again, I see the value that he has on the offense, but don't you think that Cole Komet is going to take the next step? Isn't that what you believe in? Isn't this what you have convinced all of us? I think Cole Komet can. This is just a weird move to me. I'm done on my rant here. This is I was frustrated when I saw this on Twitter today. My brother literally texted me while I was in class, and I told him that I saw it, and it totally ruined my mood. I'm moving on to Joe here. I, I, I'm very frustrated with a move like this. No, I, I'm pretty frustrated too. And I'm, I'm probably, I probably was the biggest Jimmy Graham fan when he got signed to the Bears last offseason. And I was even a big fan of his coming into this season. But when you find cheap value at a position of need that can give you equal or slightly lesser value, you go with that. And the Bears learned how to do that already this offseason. With their tackle positions, they moved down from Charles Leno, got a cheap, could be could be considered a slight downgrade in Jason Peters. They moved down from Bobby Massey, got a way cheaper and probably arguably just as good option in Jermaine Ifedi. They're very good at doing that, and they have been. I just don't understand the value of Jimmy Graham at that point when the Bears in this training camp found value and je- and cheap cheap value in Jesse James and Jesper Horsett and. If we would have went into this season with a tight end room consisting of Cole Komet, Jesse James, Jesper Horstead, and J.P. Holtz, if you would have said that to me probably about three months ago before we saw how the steps that Horstead took and how just how good Jesse James has looked, I would have been pretty upset because obviously Jimmy Graham is our best red zone threat. But with what we saw from Horstead in the preseason and in training camp, and the same with Jesse James, we're definitely ready to move on from Jimmy Graham at this point. And it, the, the stars were aligning perfectly for the Bears to move on from Jimmy Graham and to move forward with the youth in Jesper Horson and Cole Komet. That could be your two tight ends of the future for the next 10 years if Horson keeps taking the steps that he's taking. He could be the U tight end for the next 10 years on a cheap contract along with Cole Komet being the Y tight end. And then you're just perfectly set there. I just feel like Pace and Nagy don't know what to do. Cause I don't, I think they can't tell if their seat is warm or not. So they're both simultaneously trying to win this year, but also not care about the future, but kind of, so they're investing in the future by trading up for Justin Fields and saying, see, look, we have this, but then they're also saying, okay, we need to win. Now we need to um, keep Jimmy Graham. We need to keep signing all these older players that can help the team this year, like Jason Peters. So I just feel like they're in an awkward state of, we need to win now, but we also need to, invest in our future and they're just stuck. And I just feel like they don't know what to do at this point. Well, it's a sticky situation. And since we're talking about older players on the Bears roster, I mean, everyone today obviously is talking about Jimmy Graham, but then there's also Robert Quinn, Nick Foles. I mean, Danny Trevathan as well. And I don't know the exact clauses in every single contract, just because those are things that people at over the cap, like my guy, Brad Spielberger could better explain, but when you ultimately look at, I mean, the Bears can cut Robert Quinn next year, but he'd have to be a post June first cut 
to even get the $12 million in cap space. I mean, it's basically the same thing with guys like Danny Trevathan and Nick Foles. I think the bigger and overarching theme here that no one's talking about is just the fact that the Bears have so much money tied up into these four or five older veterans that, quite frankly, once 2023 rolls around, shouldn't even be on the roster. And it's one thing for you to kind of sit there and be like, oh, well, 2023 is far away, but it's going to get here the quicker than a lot of people think. And if anything, the Bears need all the money that they can get in order to sign a lot of the younger players on the roster. Now, the two biggest fish in the sea that need contract extensions are Roquan Smith and Allen Robinson. I would actually prioritize Allen Robinson over Roquan Smith simply because Justin Fields needs a number one wide receiver. And then after that, you're looking at, well, James Daniels, you need to bring him back because he's your he's not flashy by any means, but... He's your physically. He's one of your most physically gifted offensive linemen that can play any of the spots, but ideally left guard being comfortable there. And then you look at Bilal Nichols, a guy that I think is now becoming a leader on the defensive line, or he's already a leader. He just doesn't get to assume the leadership role that some of us make him out to be because of Akeem Hicks, as well as Eddie Goldman. And so For the Bears, ultimately, they're in a situation where it's just like all this money's been tied up into these older players and they need to get out of it because it's like Sam kind of mentioned. I mean, they do have a lot of needs next year and a lot of roster holes to fill. And you know what? Quite frankly, the one or two year deal type thing that works fine for one off season or two off seasons, but then it gets to a point where you need to have legitimate long term building blocks on the roster and you acquire those through the draft. And unfortunately, the Bears don't have a first or a fourth round pick next year because of Justin Fields. I mean, the only other thing I'll throw in here is just, uh, again, like short term, it's wiggle room. The Bears have some positions that they could address. You know, they announced the, the starting depth chart. They could try to go get another corner. They could try to go get another offensive lineman. I get it. I understand that Pace always tries to have wiggle room. I just think that sometimes he's impulsive and he makes decisions that don't he doesn't realize have long-term repercussions. And I think that it's sometimes like kind of Joe mentioned, he's not sure if his seat's hot or not. So he makes these moves. And I don't know. I just, I don't try to get too critical about players because at the end of the day, like a guy like Jimmy Graham was exactly what the bears needed in terms of tight end production. But then why did you draft Cole Komet? (laughs) Like it just stuff like that just frustrates me because again, I think the Cole Komet pick can be criticized a little bit. The bears had other draft needs and they took a tight end with their first pick. Basically their first, I mean, Cole Komet is the bears first round pick in that draft with quotation marks. And I think Cole Komet's going to have a big year, but I think that you're, you're going to, ruin those reps and ruin that potential because you're going to use Jimmy Graham in situations. And this may or may not happen where you should use Cole Komet. I don't want to say anything else about this because I'm just going to get more and more mad. I don't like these moves. It frustrates me. I don't get it. I feel like it's just like Ryan Pace is just playing on spot track and moving stuff around and and not realizing that he's actually the Bears GM. Uh, Moves like this frustrate me. It's so, so frustrating. Yeah, I'll just have one more thing just to kind of play devil's advocate, just because obviously we've just been talking bad about this. But I just want to say there there is some bright sides to this move. Not many. It's way more negative than it is positive. But on the bright side, like Sam mentioned, we do have more cash space available now. And 
in the Bears defense, most tight ends do take normally the tight ends break out. It's their normal takes about their third year is the year they kind of break out. So Cole Komet is still not really technically statistically due for his breakout. And the other tight end, Jesper Horstead, he has hardly played. You can't really say he's due for his third year breakout, which this is technically his third year. And then Jesse James, I mean, he's bounced around. He's not really a guy that can be a starter. Like he never really has been that the guy. So in the Bears defense, they they do need a person who is 100% the guy. And that's what Jimmy Graham is. So that, and that's the only way I can really defend this move is that on paper, he is the only person who has experience being the guy. And he brings a veteran presence to the locker room. On top of the added cap space that they got from this move, that they can go and add a new slot corner or they can go add a new corner to compete with Kindleville door, or even they can just go add some more depth somewhere else. Like Sam mentioned, like offensive line, um, they could try and get another wide receiver. Just there's a lot of other positions they can go after now with this added cap space. Plus, they also were in negative cap space before this move, so now they're back into the positive range. I mean, you hope that things certainly continue to trend in the positive range, but hey, let's flip the switch back over here to week one. I mean, guys, there's a lot of players to watch. It's week one's obviously going to be overreaction week, and we'll break down the overreactions and everything that went down next week on our YouTube channel after the game. But give me one player that, and Sam, I'll start with you here, but give me one player that you're going to watch against the Rams. Uh, my one player is Darnell Mooney. Uh, I think the the Ramsey beef is about to come to fruition. I'm excited to see that matchup. And listen, I don't think we've talked enough about Mooney in a not excited sense. And what I mean is, is I love Darnell Mooney. What he did last year was great. So much potential. The sky's the limit. But there's no guarantee he's going to just become a superstar, right? I hope he does. I hope he's on the Bears for a long time. I have his jersey. I like the guy. He's a good player, good person. I like him. However, he's the only wide receiver on the roster as of right now for 2022. He is a second-year wide receiver. He definitely isn't perfect. He definitely made mistakes last year. And this is a tough Rams defense. I think that Allen Robinson is probably going to get matched up mostly with Jalen Ramsey. So I think Mooney's going to have a lot of opportunities. I hope they utilize him in the slot a little bit because I think he can be really, really successful. Mooney's a great route runner, good explosive speed, good lateral speed. I think he can really, really cut up this uh, Rams defense on Sunday night. I mean, he's my guy to watch. He is going to, I think he could have a really, really good game if, if the, you know, Dalton can get the ball to him. But I, I know for certain that, uh, He's going to get matched up against Ramsey and I hope he can, you know, I hope he can use that lateral, you know, use his speed, use that good route running. He's got quick feet. I think he can beat Ramsey. I think Ramsey is going to definitely beat him out a lot of times, but you know, this is the, this is the Mooney Ramsey game. We've been, we've been waiting on it ever since the beef started. And uh, now, now it's time to see what happens. I'm uh, I'm excited to watch Mooney play though. I do have high expectations for him, but uh, you know, this is the start of what we hope is going to be uh a huge second year for Mooney. You do make a great point actually about the whole Mooney thing, because a lot of people are kind of expecting Robinson and Mooney to be fine. And then after that to be a bunch of question marks. So that's a very, actually a very good point that nobody really has touched on with the fact that yes, we all accept Robinson to be great. And then we've all just kind of been like, yeah, Mooney's also going to be really good. And then we move on and kind of focus on, okay, who's going to be the third guy's going to be Marquis Goodwin, Demir Bird, Rashad Perryman, who, who could it be? So 
that, that was a really good point. But my player to watch is Jason Peters. So we now brought him in to be our left tackle, and it will be very interesting to see how he stacks up compared to what we've seen for Char- from Charles Leno. So Charles Leno caught a lot of hate. He was arguably probably the most hated player on the Bears' offense outside of Trubisky for years. And he, I'll give him one thing, he was very consistent. He was always on the field. He wasn't obviously the greatest. He made a ton of mistakes, but he never missed time for injuries. He was rarely injured. And that's huge when you have that in offensive line. It's, it's hard when someone comes on, you have to plug somebody else in and develop new chemistry. So it'll be interesting to see if how it's going to be with the Bears when you have a guy who has been getting hurt lately and kind of just the polar opposite. Somebody who, like I said, can't stay healthy. He's a six-time All-Pro, whatever he is, nine-time Pro Bowler. And unlike, Len- unlike Leno, he doesn't stay on the field often. So I'd be really interested to see also on top of that, the two probably – it probably is a set that these are the two probably oldest starting left tackles in an NFL game, at least on both sides of the ball with, um, I can't remember the left tackle left tackles name from the Rams, but he's like 40 years old. So with Peters being 39 and him being 40, it's going to be an old matchup. I just want to see how Peters looks given his age, uh, given that experience. And I just want to see how well he plays. I, I have high hopes for him as well. And I think he'll step up and play very well. Just, we got to hope he stays on the field. Yeah. Mooney and Peters are certainly interesting because Mooney had 61 receptions last year, and so everyone kind of is just assuming, well, hey, listen, he's going to be ready to take the next step this year, and he's absolutely going to burn Jalen Ramsey. I mean, and then Jason Peters is also interesting because we have to keep in mind is Jason, this was a more normal offseason in 2021 compared to last offseason, but then also we have to keep something in mind is that Jason Peters just didn't sign on with a team until what mid-august and so what that kind of signals to me is this is your jason peters i mean i would not be surprised to see him be on like a snap count or something because the bears have kind of done this in the past where they've taken players that they feel like aren't 110 percent in football shape they've thrown them in the game but then they've also done like load management just to ensure that these guys aren't getting hurt and certainly more interesting with peters because he is I mean, one of the oldest players on this Bears roster. I think actually he might be the oldest player on the roster and the one that's got the most experience in the NFL as well. Now, for me, I mean, my player to watch is Eddie Jackson. You listen to him talking to the press conferences on Monday, and he wasn't necessarily mad about the way the last two seasons went. But he was also kind of disappointed because he knows that he holds himself to a higher standard and he knows that he could do so much better. When I look at a guy like an Eddie Jackson, I mean, I think ultimately kind of what's happened is this, is that he knows in 2021, well, look, I'm due for a bounce back here. What the Bears need to do is they need to put Eddie in a position to succeed. Now, what does that mean? It means that you stop running these cover two looks and these two high safety looks and you just run a single high safety look essentially just have Eddie Jackson being able to be back there in the backfield by himself go ahead and roam and kind of basically play center fielder that means that you're moving to Sean Gibson up into the box and having these eight man boxes because what that will kind of do is protect your cornerbacks as well because then you're in a situation where it's just like okay well look you have your 
incredibly rangy safety who's basically going to be on any side of the field, whether left or right, in any split second. And then if the ball's going to the left, Eddie Jackson's going to be on the left. It's going to the right. He's going to be on the right to kind of be there as a major support system for quarterbacks. So for me, man, I mean, I'm just interested in seeing what Eddie Jackson's going to do on Sunday night against the Rams. There was a great quote. I don't know who tweeted it, but I guess one thing that Eddie Jackson wants to emphasize too is his tackling, which I think is interesting because, you know, I've always kind of never considered how good of a tackler he is, but I definitely have saw moments last year where he wasn't great in open space. I would really, really like to see the Eddie Jackson of old emerge again. I, I have been a fan of him. Ever since he broke out in that Carolina game back when he was a rookie, you know, I think he deserves to be a high paid safety in this league. We know his abilities. I'm really, really hoping for a bounce back year. And I think that starts week one against a very good Rams offense with a lot of good wide receivers and some new talent at quarterback. And I think having an Eddie Jackson who can be that ball hawk, who can make plays on the ball and, and, you know, strike fear in quarterbacks hearts. It's a big deal, honestly. And, you know, Talk is cheap. Let's see it happen. But uh, yeah, I, I am. Uh, I'm definitely going to be interested to see if we can have the Eddie Jackson of old again. Yeah, Eddie Jackson is one of those players where he can flip the game on his head so easily with how explosive he is with the ball in his hands. So if he gets a pick six, uh, any game can just flip at the snap of the fingers because we've seen him multiple times where he takes a takes a pick to the house and instantly the Bears are just hot after that because. He just gets the team pumped up. He's he's got a very good attitude about that, and he's it's just a guy that you want on your team because he can just easily do that. And he's very good, like you were saying. He's a great ball hawk safety. He can really do it all. And like you were saying, his open field tackling was a little lacking last year, but I really think uh, new defensive coordinator Sean Desai is really going to help um, his abilities and help him put him into a position to, su- to succeed, unlike Chuck Pagano did. So, yeah, I'll, I'll be watching him as well because having him – play well will be huge to this weakness weak secondary at the moment so we really need him and Jalen Johnson and Tayshawn Gibson to step up for the questionable slot corner and cornerback too well let me ask you guys this I mean and let's just get into hypotheticals and questions here because anytime we're on here you know a lot of it is hypotheticals I mean that's how it goes sometimes but Joe I'm going to start with you on this one what's more important for the Bears on Sunday night is it slowing Aaron Donald down or slowing down a more explosive Rams offense or what's expected to be a more explosive Rams offense now that they have Matt Stafford at quarterback and let's not forget I mean as much as Bears fans want to rag on the Lions and be like hey the Lions weren't good keep in mind is that there were times where Matt Stafford was the sole reason the Lions were even relevant because he right now would make any team a Super Bowl contender yeah it'll definitely be slowing down that offense I mean just from a number standpoint, you're, you're saying slow down Aaron Donald, one person, or slow down the entire awesome offense of the Rams with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby. Uh, Daryl Henderson's a great running back despite uh, him being the backup. And Matthew Stafford, like they're, they're honestly my Super Bowl pick for this year. I think Matt Stafford can lead this team to the Super Bowl with McVay as the head coach. Like you've seen Stafford dominate as a quarterback and put up crazy stats for years on a horrible Lions team with horrible coaching constant turnover and and year after year he still puts up crazy numbers and very good numbers and throws for over 4,000 yards and a ton of touchdowns despite having guys like Matt Patricia 
And like last year, his wide receivers, Kenny Galladay got hurt. Marvin Jones got hurt. He was throwing to guys like Quintez Cephas for some of the year as like his main target or like just guys who aren't even on rosters right now. Like obviously at TJ Hawkinson, but still like he's a very, very good quarterback. And like you were saying, you said he, we do rag him a lot because he was on the Lions and we dominate the Lions, but he's now on the Rams and they're going to be scary good with how good they were with Jared Goff. If it's a really tough test for Sean to sign his first game to try and shut down an offensive mastermind in McVay and a great quarterback in Matt Stafford. Whereas on the other side of the ball, the Rams have a new defensive coordinator who is questionable compared to the last guy they had. And with Aaron Donald, yes, he's amazing, but you can kind of scheme a little bit against one player. You can't stop that Rams offense. They're going to be very hard to stop this year. So I actually picked the opposite. Um, But Joe, you bring up a lot of really good points. Um, I'm not saying mine is necessarily right. Um, because you did bring up a lot of good points, but the things I do want to say, and, and one of these points, I actually saw this on Twitter, uh, credit to, uh, at 79 ill will, uh, in the past three meetings that the bears have played the Rams, uh, they have held the Rams to 15.6 points per game. It's not terrible. Um, this is a bears defense that can stop this offense. Now, listen, Matt Stafford is absolutely the X factor. However, I still think that the Bears can be productive in terms of stopping the offense. I think the Rams offense isn't going to be dominant right away. I think it's going to take, I think it's going to be similar to like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers where their offense took a couple weeks to get everything meshed together, new quarterback, live reps. Um, I, I do think the Rams are going to be a very, very good team. They're a team to look to try to potentially make a Super Bowl run with Stafford. Um, but I don't think it's going to be automatic right away. Um, you know, this first week is kind of like the fourth preseason game if you really want to get technical with it. So I think it's going to be a little bit sloppy on their side of the ball. It's going to come down to the offense. The offense has got to start being able to win games because we're going to see a defense that is going to decline. Probably it's not as strong of a secondary players are getting older. There's a lot of question marks. There is a new defensive coordinator, so there's no guarantee we're going to see the defensive old you need to be able to rely on the offense a little bit. And I don't feel great about this offensive line. I don't feel terrible. I'm hoping that they have had enough time to mesh together where we can see some solid production. Um, I think that Dalton is going to be having a lot of pressure on him, but the bears got weapons. The bears got good running backs. They got some solid wide receivers. Tight end production is going to be, I think, decent. I think if this Bears offense can be productive, I know obviously it says Aaron Donald, but I kind of rope in a little bit more than just Aaron Donald. But if they can, if they can get the offense going against the Rams defense, I think that's so much more valuable because I think again, I think the Rams offense will be good, but I think the Bears defense can make some plays on them week one just because it's going to be kind of a little rusty, a little sloppy. The Bears offense can can score. This is going to be a closer game than I think people are are giving credit to. Yeah, you certainly have to look at this. I mean, I, and again, there's not necessarily a right or wrong answer to this because remember when James Daniels was kind of at his best as a rookie in 2018, he basically shut down Aaron Donald. But the last two years, Aaron Donald's kind of had his way with this interior Bears offensive line. Now, one key I think that's going to come into play when it comes to slowing Aaron Donald down is certainly going to be center Sam Mustafer. But I think the more important 
aspect for the Bears here is they need to slow down this explosive Rams offense. I mean, everyone kind of talks about how, oh, well, Jared Goff had this MVP year in 2018, and then all of a sudden people figured out the Rams offense in 2019 and 2020, but Sean McVay adjusted. All of that stuff is true, but we also have to keep in mind is that the Rams offense took a major step back as soon as Todd Gurley got injured because Jared Goff may have put up MVP numbers in 2018, but also let's be real about something. Todd Gurley had a phenomenal year that year. He was the best running back in the NFL. He was the reason that the Rams offense was able to click as efficiently as it was because everything was running through Todd Gurley, which really took the pressures off Jared Goff. And then when Gurley had the knee injury and he was kind of, and the lingering arthritis, and he was kind of asked to be or he wasn't asked, but Jared Goff was kind of asked to be the number one guy and carry the team on his back. Jared just unfortunately wasn't able to do so. Now, Matt's unique in the sense that Stafford's kind of proven time and time again, hey, I can put an entire team on my back and elevate the guys around me. And if you're the Bears, you know what? You don't know what your offense is going to look like. You're probably going to roll something out with Andy Dalton where it's going to be a dink and dunk offense, you know, chuck and duck, kind of just get him into a rhythm. I mean, if I'm Matt Nagy right now, I'm going back and I'm watching that tape of what Brian Dable did with Mitch Trubisky in that preseason game because I get it was just preseason. But it was so simple, and Mitch looked effective. You need to do the same with Andy Dalton here, but it's going to be more important for the Bears to slow down an explosive Rams offense because if they can't slow this team down from the get-gate, then what's going to happen is the game's going to get out of hand very quickly. And let's be honest, the Bears do not have as explosive of an offense to keep up with the Rams. Yeah, I mean, no. Oh, sorry, so, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just want to touch on what you you were saying, Sam, as well with the uh, with slowing down this Rams defense. I'm completely with you. Like you were saying, we we've kind of shut down this offense, and like you said, said Jared Goff was an MVP candidate, but I think a lot of that was in large part due to the first year system of McVay. It's very hard for NFL teams to get tape on a, on an offensive minded coach, and we saw with Matt Nagy that offense was very solid in 20 in 2018 the year the bears were good and same thing with mcveigh with the rams it was very good and then once they started getting tape obviously the rams took a huge step back and then mcveigh had to adjust and when he adjusted the offense went back to being very solid obviously they weren't putting up crazy numbers that they were putting back in 2018 but they still were very productive uh despite having tons of injuries on their offensive line and their running back room obviously with Gurley, and additionally uh losing a wide receiver and brandon cooks so I think that the fact that McVay can adjust his offense to what his defense is giving him, I think that's going to give Sean Desai a ton of trouble. And that's kind of why I think that's the major issue in terms of stopping that offense is just because it's his first game coaching and uh, play calling on the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah, I just I just really don't think that it's going to be possible to stop it when you got a brand new defense coordinator trying to shut down one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. All right, let's get into bold predictions, guys, and then score predictions as well. But, Sam, I'm going to hand it off to you first here. I absolutely just hit my mic. But, dude, give me one bold prediction for Sunday night. What do you think is going to go down? I think the Bears' offense is going to score in their first series. Um, I'm not saying the Bears' offense is going to score a lot, but I think the first uh, series is going to look okay. I think the Bears are going to have a situation where they're going to be able to get down on offense. Maybe the Bears start on defense and the – Defense gets a fumble recovery and interception. Bears get good field positioning and they score on the first series. 
I think that's my bold prediction. Uh, if you know the Bears offense, they usually go three and out first couple of series. Um, but uh, yeah, I think my bold prediction is uh, we're going to score in the first series. Uh, I do not think we're going to score early and often. I think the Bears offense is going to struggle, but I think we're going to score in the first series. Now I'm saying score. I'm not saying touchdown um, because knowing the Bears, it will probably end up being a field goal, but we have a kicker this year. So that's always a positive. Uh, but yeah, my, it's my uh, bold prediction. It's not a crazy bold prediction, but when you're a Bears fan, scoring on the first series of offense is uh, it's like finding gold. That would be uh, that'd be very interesting if we actually did that. So my first bold prediction actually was going to be that there'd be an offensive line change, but I really don't want to predict injury because that's really the only way I could see there being an offensive line change. So I'm going to change mine into actually that we're going to see a lot of 12 personnel, which would be not it, it, it's not super bold, but we didn't see a lot of it from Nagy when he was play calling. We saw more from Bill Lazor when he was when he took over the offense. So my bold prediction is that we're going to see more 12 personnel. With five tight ends now on this roster, I think Nagy's kind of going to roll out either having a ton of J.P. Holson at fullback or he's going to have a, a ton of offense where we have a little bit of J- Jimmy Graham slash Jesse James slash Jesper Horsted. Hopefully we get to see the Lord and Savior Horsted and along with Cole Komet as well. And I feel like if we do that, maybe we possibly could score. So obviously it's bold and it probably won't happen. So that means we probably won't score. Yeah, I cannot wait until one of you guys decides to like go to Teespring or something and make like a in horse said we trust t-shirt. Okay, which should probably talk to Alex about that, which I will text him after this. I want some you know, fireside merch. Yes. I want a shirt. <laughs> All right, man, you guys always know I'm working the phones. I will see whatever I can do. Like, give you guys a perspective. I mean, I was up till midnight, okay, you know, talking to Sam about ideas and stuff. But listen, man, getting back into the bold predictions, my bold prediction is that Khalil Mack has a coming out party. If you look at the last two seasons, Khalil Mack's dealt with back injuries, with knee injuries. He hasn't been, and I'm not going to say he's been the same player for the most part, but those injuries have kind of really slowed him down. And now all of a sudden, I mean, heading into 2021, I think we're going to see a big jump in production from Khalil Mack specifically because Sean decides he's going to move him around. When you move around your best piece on defense, well, what happens is other guys like Robert Quinn, you're putting them in position to succeed as well. Same thing with guys like Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, Eddie Goldman. I mean, Akeem Hicks, I believe plays five technique and, I know you guys have watched plenty of film on the Bears. I mean, Bilal Nichols, you could argue right now, could be a pretty effective five technique as well. And then what that allows the Bears to do is kind of just move Khalil all over the place because you do have Eddie Goldman back in the middle eating up those double teams. But listen, my bold prediction, Khalil Mack has a major coming out party. I think he's going into this season with something to prove. He certainly hates excuses. I know that people are going to look at Khalil Mack and say, oh, we only had nine and a half sacks last year and he hasn't had double digit sacks since 2018 i think that yeah some of it is justified and validated but at the other hand if your evaluation of a good pass rusher starts and ends with sack numbers then your evaluation is seriously flawed because you're not looking at pressures you're not looking at quarterback hurries you're not looking at hits you're not looking at statistics like tackles solo tackles assisted tackles um tackles for loss so i think Khalil Mack's gonna have an interesting and pretty big game on sunday night i would love that uh, i i still remember how excited i was when the bears traded for Khalil Mack. i woke up at like 
early in the morning and saw it. And I thought I was dreaming. I like went back to bed, woke up again, and it was real. And ever since he's been on the Bears, he's just been such a huge impact. Teams have to scheme for him. Teams have to hold him and they don't get called. I would love to see Khalil Mack have a huge opening game. I still think he is one of the best defensive players in the league right now. I think he's going to go down as a top defensive player for the Bears. I love Khalil Mack. I am very much hopeful that he's going to have a big game. It would just be nice to have a Khalil Mack that even if he's not necessarily getting five sacks in a game, that he's creating opportunities because that is what Khalil Mack does. He creates opportunities on defense and, you know, he is a threat. And I, I, I hope that that prediction comes true because that would be, it would be awesome to watch. Yeah. And it's very needed because we saw it in 2018 where the turnovers, the high turnover rate was mainly due to the pressure him and that bears front were creating. They would fluster a quarterback and the quarterback would toss a ball up randomly and it would get picked off or he would cause a fumble with the strip sack. So if that were to happen, that would be huge for the Bears this year if he were to have an absolute monster year where he's creating impacts nearly every play like he was in 2018. So, yeah, we definitely need that to happen. Yeah, everyone's going to be watching for Khalil Mack. I mean, he's always a name that you need to keep an eye on because he keeps defensive coordinators, I'm sorry, offensive coordinators up at night because you have to know what Khalil Mack is up to at any given time. But guys, listen, let's talk. Let's get out of here first off in just a couple moments, but let's talk score predictions. I mean, Sam, I'm going to bounce it to you first. 1-0-0-1-1. What are the Bears starting off the season here? And certainly let's figure this out. What's the final score going to be when the clock hits triple zeros on Sunday night? I am definitely a positive vibes only kind of guy. I am not a doubter at times, but I do not see a situation where the Bears are going to win this game. The Rams are a good team. They're a well-coached team. They have talent on both sides of the ball. They have a MVP caliber quarterback. I think it's going to be a closer game than people are going to think. I do think the Bears are going to have some fight in them, but I just ultimately don't think that they're going to beat the Rams week one. My score prediction is Rams 24, Bears 13. So um, I'm predicting a tie. No, <laughs> I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen somebody predict that. So I, you know, I'm predicting a tie. No, but, <laughs> but uh, so like I was saying, the Rams are a Super Bowl candidate to me. I think they're going to come out hot. The Bears just aren't able to stop them. They're going to play catch up all game. And I just see the Rams just putting it on the Bears and eventually just taking their foot off the gas pedal and the Bears lose this game 34 to 20. And the only reason the Bears put 20 is because they had a garbage time touchdown to make it 34 to 20 instead of 34 to 13. Those are great predictions. Hey, listen, I'm going to roll with the Rams as well as much as I may hate to admit it. But you look at the Rams, I mean, they have a bit more continuity on the offensive side of the ball outside of the quarterback position. I mean, the quarterback position in terms of continuity in both for both of these teams is pretty much even because Andy Dalton's going into starting his first game with the Bears. Matt Stafford's starting his first game with the Bears. But listen, give me Rams 24, Bears 17. I think it's going to be a closer game than a lot of people are expecting. But I also think the Rams are a much more disciplined team. They're much better coached. Their play calling is going to be on point. Sean McVay has kind of studied Matt Stafford inside out. That's going to make a big difference. Whereas for the Bears, Matt Nagy is just going to be throwing stuff at the wall all night and hoping that things end up sticking to make Matt Nagy look like a genius. But like I said, Bears 
17, Rams 24. So the Bears are going to start the season 0 and 1. And then what will happen is when the Bears host Cincinnati in week two, that's when we'll have the Andy Dalton revenge game. But the silver lining of week one coming and going is that we're also one step closer or one day or one week closer, I should say, to eventually starting Justin Fields. And listen, I don't want to be like the negative Nancy, like, oh, these these Bears podcasts predicting them to lose. Like, how can you call your guys self Bears fans and stuff? Listen, obviously, I want my Bears team to go 17-0. Any NFL fan would want their team to go 17-0. And as optimistic as that approach is, the Rams are going to be the better team on Sunday night. They, are, they have constructed a roster that can win a Super Bowl. Obviously, there's no guarantees in the NFL. And sometimes the better team loses on a gaming day. And if the Rams lose to the Bears, you know I'm going to be tweeting about it and get hyped about it. And coming in on that next uh, next Tuesday, jacked up about being 1-0 and beating the LA Rams and looking forward to Cincinnati. But ultimately, that silver lining of one step closer to Fields playing is a good thing if the Bears do lose because of the offense. Now, if the Bears lose to in a close game, it's a different story. But uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a great, great uh, quote from... Uh, uh, good, good friend of mine. I know you said, I know you know him, but Blake, uh, former uh, podcast host for a Bears podcast, um, good friend on Twitter. Uh, he said, go into Bears games with low expectations and you'll never be disappointed. That's the mindset I have for week one. Very true. And, and I'm definitely with you that I'm a glass half full type of guy that I'm always wanting the Bears to do well. But again, we got to be realistic. And, and like I said, they're my, they're my Super Bowl pick. I can't honestly pay against my Super Bowl pick like with, with confidence. So I'm just being honest. I just don't think the bears are ready for week one anyway. Like I just don't think they're, like I said, they're not a very well coached team. Like I rag on Nagy all the time. I just don't think they're ready for week this week one game. And I think decide it needs a little more experience before he can be a better defensive play caller. It's just, it's just a recipe for disaster at this point against the Rams week one. There's a lot to look at, and let's just be honest. I mean, the Bears traditionally have not been very good in season openers anyway because they lost in 2018 to Green Bay. They lost in 2019 to Green Bay. 2020, what had happened is they needed the Bears needed a 21-point comeback in Detroit to end up winning the game, and then even that, I mean, nearly lost that as well because DeAndre Swift dropped that last-second touchdown pass. And now 2020, when you... I'm sorry, 2021, when you're looking at this whole thing, you have to wonder, hey, what type of Bears team are we going to see? Are we going to see the narrative completely change as Joe mutes his mic because his mom or sister seems to be screaming at him in the background? That's yeah. so goddamn funny because my entire family knows on Tuesday nights you do not walk into my room. So I'm recording a podcast. But anyways, before we get out of here, guys, listen, the NFL season's here. We're excited here at Fireside Bears. We're going to hit 2,000 downloads with this episode, so I just want to thank everybody for their support. I also want to say, look, check us out on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram at Fireside Bears for YouTube. We're going to be reviewing games on Monday and previewing games on Thursday, dropping those episodes on Tuesday morning as well as on Friday morning, so keep an eye on that. That schedule could change with primetime games and stuff, but we'll keep you guys updated. And then we're going to have our week podcast all right we're going to record tuesday nights and then episodes are going to drop tuesday night at 11 59 p.m ready for you guys to go on every single podcasting platform on wednesday check out our articles as well make sure you're following myself joe and sam on twitter at usaid co 
social at Joseph Earth NFL and at Shy Sports Sam. It's going to be a fun year covering the Bears. I promise, guys, every single year gets more fun. And regardless of how the 2021 season turns out, it's going to be a fun time here at Fireside Bears because it's certainly our first full season doing this podcast, myself and Sam. And then our first full season kind of covering the bears although i've been doing this five years now for multiple outlets but we'll see you guys next week bear down peace out have a great rest of your week and have fun on sunday night guys stay safe don't get too drunk probably gonna end up happening anyway i'm gonna put the over under beer count for joe and sam and i want to say i'll take the over and go like six or eight uh football's back baby bear down yes sir football's back All right, peace out, guys. Have a great week. Bear down.